0: Rewind the dynamite from the post recent site. you lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the
1: bubbly as we hear from John and Wade Tate. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bus stops here, yeah, this thing might blow. Everything you hear are opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind the Dynamite. I am John Pollock along with Wei Ting. Hello,
1: Wei. Hey, John, what's up? Not too much. I was just about to ask you. You know, things are, uh, I don't know. Uh, how's life? Are you, are you adjusted? Are you
0: getting antsy? I mean, where, where on the scale is your
1: overall attitude these days? Um, I don't know. I think with for a lot of people it varies. Um maybe I'm certain would be sort of like a a good term for it at the same time. Um I don't know, trying to keep as normal as possible and that includes watching wrestling and talking about it.
0: Which I would I would say is not normal right now.
1: The wrestling itself is not that normal, sure. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's it's like um yeah, it's it, it's slightly... It's different. It's different, yeah.
0: Where, where do you stand overall? Because I'm having a really hard time... Not so much the aesthetic and the environment that they're in. It's the circumstances at which... Just like each passing show that I'm watching of one of these, it just... Like, why is this happening is just clogging my viewpoint of this. And I think that's certainly going to uh, affect my review of this show tonight. I'm just... I, I just cannot get into these shows. I'm not a big fan that they're happening. I'm, I am I just feel like it's wrestling is not part of this gigantic crisis. It's almost as like we're trying to ignore what, what's happening out there, and we are pressing forward when everybody else is not.
1: Yeah, I had some of those struggles myself watching this show. Um, you know, certainly yeah a lot of the criticisms we've we've had with with all these shows thus far has been i mean everything i've been i've been hearing in the media everything i've been seeing every every scientist i've heard has been talking about the importance of uh social distancing of you know just doing everything we can to i guess just stop the spread of this thing that is definitely coming and is definitely going to be hurting a lot of people um at the same time you know i'm watching like you know these have naked men rolling around um, you know it's it's and
0: I understand like I understand it to varying degrees, like wrestle talk did that empty arena show on Monday. um I didn't get to see it, but you know it was uh, a lot of people tuned in and watched it, and you know i I look at it in those ways, like there are a lot of independent wrestlers that are not working right now that I can only imagine how scary a time period this is right now and that you would look at things that if you are somebody that your livelihood is being threatened right now, would you be assuming a certain level of risk? And while I wouldn't agree with that, that's a certain standpoint they're coming from. And then we're watching WWE and AEW where I would say these performers don't necessarily have that same uh, anxiety level. There's still anxiety, I'm sure, about not being able to work, but they're in a bit of a different uh, stratosphere when it comes to that. And the common denominator here from UFC going this past Saturday, granted they have now shut down their next three shows, and the pro wrestling shows we're talking about is these are not non-union performers and fighters that you really have to wonder that if such, a, if such an association or union were in place, w- would this even be a, a topic of conversation, the idea of doing these shows?
1: Sure, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm, it's really hard to say. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, it definitely makes these shows uh, even that much more weirder than the way that they, they play out. At the same time, you know, I'm like, I'm like scrolling through my timeline, wondering how many people feel perhaps like this kind of awkwardness that I might watch in a show like this. And, I mean, the vast majority of like people tweeting seem to be commending the effort of them putting the show on because it helps them feel uh, a a sense of normalcy so for me it's i don't know if it's as you know that that clear of a cut and dry debate because i do see merit in you know doing something like this for a mass audience at the same time um i guess where do we draw the line you know like what uh, what
0: if what if every sports league and entertainment outlet had that same mindset that we are providing a service for um, a a fractured public that is in uh, going through a crisis at the moment. Where do you draw the line? Yeah. Almost every other outlet has, has drawn the line except for pro wrestling and a few select others. And it's, you know, if you want to look back at at certain events, you know, the, the WWE running right after nine 11, it's like, You could say that a lot of other places, they shut down. WWE ran a show. Were these performers, was that the best thing to be doing? Some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Whatever your opinion of that was, it was, you can certainly commend them for doing a show, I think, under those circumstances. Whereas these, it's not just they are assuming a certain risk. It is, they're putting others potentially at risk. And is this uh? A gigantic risk? Maybe not. Is it zero? It's not zero. And to me, it's it's the idea of any one of these people that we are discussing on these shows two weeks from now getting awful news, and then they have to backtrack and go through who are all the people you've interacted with over the past two weeks, and doing so in a climate where this has been front and center, that who who would want to assume that kind of potential and right now we're in a stage of maybe that's overblown maybe it's not but we're in the unknown at the moment and i just feel is it absolutely necessary that we get these two hours or three hours of entertainment versus some other forms of entertainment that are available to us and maybe i'm i'm just overblowing this but that's that's my opinion and i am not going to uh apologize because that's all i can kind of watch these shows and Kind of think of. I'm not enjoying these as typical wrestling shows, even if the intent is there to, uh, that are coming from the right place.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I feel that they I, I, the the problem I think I have is that it maybe doing a show like this gives the impression that social distancing and what what is being recommended right now by you know governments um is not something to be taken as seriously that's the fear that i have you know which
0: is a bit of a problem at the moment it's not like we are not a society that is equipped to be doing what is asked of us at the moment and that has been clear with people that are ignoring this and i think people going to spring break like it's that educational process that no it's not just you you are putting yourself at risk with. It is overcrowding all of the hospitals if you do get ill. It is the potential of you spreading it elsewhere. And maybe this is not, uh, maybe it's not a gigantic risk you're taking. Maybe it's a four out of 10. Why would you want to take a four out of 10 chance of anything potentially happening that could affect people around you? It's, can we not just take this Let's just pretend all of these experts know what they're talking about and let's just give the benefit of the doubt. And most of the country and the world is slowly doing this now. Um, And and it just feels like pro wrestling is sort of saying, well, this doesn't apply to us. And what if other places just all had the same attitude and we're not going to abide by this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I would certainly, you know... I would not mind. Absolutely. And in fact, I would, I would, I think I would, um, like congratulate a company for choosing to set an example for their, its audience by not doing a show like this. Uh, I, I definitely had my struggles with it, you know, not just in terms of the quality of the show, but also just the fact that it was happening.
0: I will say tonight, uh, I haven't watched NXT. I did watch maybe the first 10 minutes or so. They did a much different format where it was, uh, Paul Levesque and Tom Phillips in Stanford and, like video packages and interviews, which sounds like that was the bulk of the show. And I will say, if you are adamant about producing new content, I'm much more comfortable with that format than what we saw on AEW tonight. Yeah. So we have uh, a lot of news to get into before we chat Dynamite. Uh, the biggest one being that uh, WrestleMania, they are going to spread it out over two nights. It is too big for one night. So now WrestleMania will take place Saturday April 4th, and then continue Sunday, April the 5th, uh, 7 p.m. start times each night, and it's going to be hosted by Rob Gronkowski, who will be on SmackDown this week. And in addition to that, um, it was reported uh, by ESPN, uh, by our friend Mark Marmondi, who uh, WWE spokesman informed them uh, at ESPN that WrestleMania would be taking place from multiple locations, and these would be... uh, uh, a close set is what they put in the press release. So we don't know what these, where these locations are, but I mean, I I don't know the exact thinking behind this, but my theory would be number one, not wanting to do, not wanting to cut down the card too much and uh, wear out the viewer by watching such a long program all in that one performance center. And second, like you would have to think multiple locations, That means they want to reduce the amount of bodies in a given facility that a card of this magnitude is going to entail.
1: That's what it seems like on the surface, which if these are measures that they're taking to ensure that they can do this um, within, I think, current guidelines, then cool. Let's see how it plays out. You know, um, can they limit it to 10 people per uh, studio? Well, we shall see. And it's 10, the number they're going with,
0: because I I, I can't see them doing this like 10 people. That's not possible.
1: Hmm. Is it possible? Well, you have two people in the ring. You have the referee. uh, You have at least three cameramen. Maybe, you know, sound. uh, Sure. Some technical people somewhere. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I mean. This is not necessarily a law. It's a recommendation at the moment um in a month's time or a four well, week's well that's time. what i'm who saying knows. i
0: i think that 10 is going to like i i i don't think this could be done if they were talking about uh 10, 10 bodies including the wrestlers uh in the in this space so um obviously it would seem they're trying to mitigate numbers uh wherever possible and that means spreading it out over multiple locations and and who knows maybe maybe shooting this um at different points like we don't even know will will wrestlemania be live will they tape it
1: right yeah at this point i'm sure I, it just seems like they just want to get a show out yeah um so i mean do you like the idea of of two nights oh, i certainly like it more than the alternative having everything on at once um it's you know it would be a much more I, I think everybody realizes that these, these circumstances, you know, this empty arena is not an ideal setting. And the idea of somebody sitting around for seven hours for a, an empty arena show is just not – I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine it being any sort of enjoyable experience at all. So why not split it up into two nights, three out, three and a half hours each if you need to. Even that might be – I, would, I would
0: say tops. I mean, yeah. even that's going to be lengthy. I would say, you know, t- like two and a half –
1: yeah, to me, it just it just seems like Vince wants to get through these storylines so that I don't know if they'll...
0: So that we can move on to the fresh batch of storylines to come in April and we're right back to the square one.
1: Yeah, sure. I don't know. I'm not sure what the idea is, but it seems like he, he's he's bound and determined to see this current WrestleMania through before who knows what, what comes next after all this.
0: What's your percentage um, belief? that wrestlemania takes place.
1: Okay, well, I mean, if they take the precautions that, you know, they they seem to be indicating with this multiple venue setup, uh provided that nobody tests positive, like provided that nobody comes down with a cold, honestly, like in the next 4 weeks cuz like you saw in the Bellator show, that was enough to, you know, have Scott Coker be be in a panic. I mean, I don't know if the WWE would react the same way, but um. everybody must be on edge right now, Uh. hopefully, you know, checking checking their own body temperatures. These people are traveling through airports, really, so that they just, you know, provided nobody gets sick in this L- current... L- let me ask you this, and this is a
0: real question, and I'm not trying to cause panic here. If you are someone on the roster, okay, and you can pick anybody you want, and they start to not feel well, are given all of this... All of these measures, how hesitant are you to just talk yourself out of it being anything serious and just battle through it?
1: Who are you talking about? The performers or or a
0: performer that's starting to uh, develop any any kind of symptoms? Are they going to be the one to speak up and potentially bring down all of this? Yeah, it might
1: be it might
0: be that is the culture that is the culture that has been created by this adamant nature of putting this for this show forward that you would hope for the sake of everybody's health, that if someone were having concerns about their own health in this, that they would speak up, that they would go get get checked out. But in the back of their head, do are they fearful of being the one that could cause this whole thing to be? eliminated and that seems like such a silly priority but look at the measures that they are going with and does someone
1: think that that's all on me to uh keep this show going right yeah i mean i think that's dependent on the person and uh dependent on i think how se- severe the, the symptoms are as we know now like there are many people that are uh, positive uh, that are asymptomatic so um it's a comp it's a very complicated issue certainly the safe bet would be to completely eliminate any sort of like physical interaction like like a wrestling match from taking place it's a risk it's a risk that's being taken um you know um but there there are risks being taken all, all like throughout the entire world right now with people still going to work or um doing a, a wide number of things is this uh one of those necessary risks definitely debatable i would say no um This is the statement
0: that WWE gave to uh, Sports Illustrated about the uh, what precautions they are taking with people at the Performance Center. Quote, in consultation with WWE Medical Director Dr. Maroon, WWE Associate Medical Director Dr. Dugas, and ringside physician Dr. Westerfield, as a best practice and precautionary measure, all WWE performers and staff are required to participate in medical screenings prior to entering WWE's training center, which is now operated as a closed set.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, they're treating this like it's a film studio type of thing?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: In, in essence. And
0: um, yeah, taking precautionary measures. But I mean, it is not like they would have the, the like, the, the tests are in short supply. It's not like we are uh, having abundance of, of, of tests for COVID-19 that we are going to earmark for professional wrestlers that can be uh, going ahead and taking part in their wrestling well,
1: what, matches. What sort of tests are, are these? How detailed I, are they? I would
0: imagine, like, your temperature uh, Temperature is being taken. and So there's uh, a
1: difference between just t- checking somebody for their temperature and actually going through the process of testing for COVID. Yes, yes. Do we know which one they'll be employing?
0: I mean, like, the actual testing... For COVID-19, I mean, that's the big problem is that there isn't enough tests out there. So it, there's it, there, there's no way that they could be testing for all, all of these guys for COVID-19. At best, they can be looking at potential symptoms, and if they detect symptoms, well, then that person then would probably be in need of going to um, t- to actually be checked out.
1: Right, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, They really want to do this show, and these are the hoops that they have to jump through to get there. So they're doing that. I'd love to know what AEW is doing, if they're taking, you know, that level of precaution themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think you would have to note tonight that everything teed up for the future. Uh, Nothing was promoted as next week. Everything was ...on the next Dynamite... ...the next time we are here... ...whenever Blood and Guts takes place... ...so there's this big question mark... ...of what... ...when will the next episode of Dynamite be... ...which has me very confused... ...because there were so many people there tonight... ...that were not utilized... ...that I'm looking at this... I was like okay they must be taping... ...multiple episodes... ...because there's there was no reason... ...that they would have flown Jake Roberts... ...at the age of 64... To just be a a fan in the crowd, and to me, it's like the issue should not be: is TNT going to have time for dynamite next week? That should be uh, an obvious given. So I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that means. I don't know why it was worded in such a way. But it was it was like one of those WWE things where they say it over and over that you can't help but notice the specific wording of on the next dynamite. Well,
1: it felt like the whole roster was there tonight
0: yeah, like everyone was out there like way too many people for just one episode like i i i, I don't understand how all these people were there. like i have to imagine stuff was taped but what is the hang-up on assuring that we'll have an episode from tonight's tapings for next week
1: right yeah i don't know i mean well i don't the next episode is supposed to be blood and guts uh um, i don't know if i don't uh, clearly this was not a setup for two double ring um, and so no matter what I feel like in order to do blend guts, it would have to be a separate taping. Wouldn't you think?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I would think so, but I mean, all the, all the people were there, um, to tape the match if you needed to. Um, but yeah, the, they didn't have the setup for it. Um, now, I mean, they have, they could have been there all day and given it was a closed set, um, You know, notes are probably not going to get out as easily as as usual, but we'll have to see because that was it was very confusing. Like either you're not on next week and therefore you had way too many people flowing in here
1: or. um, Man, that's going to look really weird. A double cage like a like an arena with two rings and nobody in the stands.
0: Well, it looks weird to begin with. So you're already starting from that standpoint. But um, yeah, we'll. Probably no more on on Thursday about what is happening with uh, Dynamite next week and why they were so specific with that wording. Uh, In case anyone had thought that UFC 249 would take place in New York, the uh, State Athletic Commission uh, shot down any potential of that occurring. So UFC 249 is without a home as they seek to find a venue for Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. But that was uh, that was never going to happen in New York. So that is uh, fairly obvious. Uh, Michael, uh, Bochicchio spoke to us today at post wrestling and was kind of going over all of the fallout of, uh, the issues with the, the Marriott in Tampa, that they are not going to be held to that six figure, uh, fee that the Marriott in Tampa felt that they uh, were losing business for that, uh, high spots would owe them. So, uh, that was a bit of good news. But if you listen to the interview, I did hardly a case where high spots is out of the woods. Uh, Mike has had to take out a $200,000 loan to start paying back the refunds. Um they are still awaiting, you know, certain down payments and money that's gone out to be paid back and they're being told in uh one instance um that it's going to be about 120 days and you can imagine how you know you you've got to handle these refunds but you've got you, you don't have money coming in at the moment and you know it just seems like a very 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 tough predicament that they're in at high spots
1: oh absolutely yeah i mean um and i'm sure the other independent mania um weekend companies are going through the very same thing right now just the uh, it certainly gives me so much more appreciation for uh any any time that a, a venture like this is 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 uh created you know um, I think often, like, as wrestling fans, you just, we just kind of take for granted that there are these shows and that there are these conventions. Um, but clearly, you know, who would have predicted this, right? But when things go wrong, I mean, uh, a few people seem to accept a great deal of responsibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's it's an enormous undertaking under the best of times. And it's some years, it's just... Uh, You know, Mike alluded to it that in 2015, when they were in San Jose, it was a disaster. Um, And then the following year in Dallas, they had a phenomenal year. So it's this is a very risky proposition when you're staging these uh, big sized conventions. And yeah, as you said, no one could have predicted uh, this happening. And uh, the unfortunate part is that like everybody is going through this at the moment. So it's a case of not just a wrestling event falling through or just WrestleMania falling through like the every every form of sport and entertainment is falling through. So when it comes to, you know, getting getting money returned, it's like a high spots. Um, You know, the, these like George Steinbrenner Field, they're dealing with a, a bunch of tickets that they're out and a ton of events that they've lost on their calendar. So it's everybody's losing right now. Oh, everybody's yeah. trying to mitigate losses. And it's like wrestling is just a it's just like one blip in the entire in the entire environment at at the moment so you know it's you can't really put into words just what so many uh, like how many Michael Bukikios are out there that are in similar positions it's just daunting
1: yeah in all fields i mean music um that's being hit really hard any any sort of entertainment field um you know but it's it's why i think it's really important that stories like his get out there So that people, you know, because we all like everybody talks about AEW, everybody talks about WWE and WrestleMania, but it's like, you know, individual stories like these that I think are the ones that can have the the biggest ramifications because AEW will survive this. WWE will survive this, but, you know, a small company like High Spots or, um, you know, uh, The Collective, uh, who knows? so uh thank you for doing that interview john and uh, i recommend people not just listen to that but uh the update that the the post bonus show that you did on tuesday as well kind of catching people up on the situation
0: yeah you can check that uh out on the site and uh just two other notes here raw on monday night uh we're not going to do a big thing here on the on the ratings but they they were up this week they did two million three hundred and thirty five thousand viewers and uh, what was notable was the first two hours, uh, 2,412,000 for the first hour and then 2,486,000 for the second hour. And then they had a big 15% drop in the third hour. And that, te- that tells you that people were hooked on watching the Royal Rumble and then kind of tuned out after.
1: How interesting. Okay. So is that not more incentive for them to just old air, uh, old footage? That's the takeaway I would have on Monday. I would not be hesitant
0: um for these, especially on episodes of raw. I would be throwing in i, I definitely won i'd run the women's rumble on Monday definitely
1: how interesting okay well
0: um yeah so and, and it gives that. me even more uh, like about a e w like to react to that number. I think even more so i would- i would have run that that tag from revolution tonight i i you know they obviously had their show in place and they wanted to execute it but I mean, looking at those two hours, it tells me you're you're not going to turn your audience off by airing matches that happened two months ago.
1: No, no, I don't think so. Especially again, like you don't just have to air it straight. You can, you know, throw a bit of a twist on it, like have like oh, oh, some sort of watch along with like, you know, Matt or Hangman page or something like that uh, or some sort of wraparound coverage talking about the the match before and afterwards. Um, it, it doesn't yeah. just have to be a straight up presentation, but either way. I I find that very fascinating and certainly it would it would give them incentive to continue to produce shows but not necessarily shows that require first run brand new footage.
0: And the last thing here uh is a Dark Side of the Ring is coming back next Tuesday. Uh we had on uh, Evan Husney a few weeks ago on the Hangout to chat about this upcoming season and next week Uh, Wei and I will talk about the season premiere. It's a two-hour episode on the Benoit murders from 2007. Uh, I did get to watch this in advance on on Tuesday. It is really, really hard to watch. I nearly had to just turn it off, and that's that's not a slight against uh, the people that put this show together, but this, uh, it, it was an incredibly difficult show to watch.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean that type of subject matter I I can't imagine it being
0: it's it, you yeah. know going in that it's going to be a very heavy episode, but it's it's that much more. Just um you know all the key people all the key people are involved in this. Uh, Sandra Tufoloni, uh Chris Jericho, Chavo Guerrero, David Benoit, um his you, first son. Did you did
1: you come out of it with any like new insight into the story? <sighs>
0: I came out of it with um, – I, I just found I, – I had such a profound feeling of sorrow for David Benoit who feels like this – like the definition of an innocent victim who unfortunately was the son of this man that committed this horrific act and he – like think of the age he was at when that happened and this has been his life since then. And that's just a burden that, that no one should have to live with and through no fault of his own. And I think you just, he just feels to me like he is someone that like, he just talks about how people look at him and like what, what he has gone through over the last 13 years. I I can't imagine what, what it has been like and through it all. Like he, he says in this thing, like he's, he's my hero, his father Mm. and it's, um, yeah, I, I think that um, we'll we'll talk about it more next week. But it is, um, yeah, it's it's a very very tough watch um, to get through. It is like they go through in pretty graphic detail what is believed to have happened. So um, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. All right. Shall we move on to dynamite? Uh, anything you uh, else you want to say about uh, the week coming up, or do you want to save that for the end?
1: Um. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, just a bit of a tee-up, of course, right now. Uh, If you're listening to this, it probably means Up Next is also available on the Up Next feed itself. Catch up with Brayden and Davey. Uh, Catch up with Davey, actually, on the Post Wrestling website, because he's been doing some uh, TV reviews for us. Uh, He recently did an MLW review, uh, written, as well as, uh, I I believe he did Impact today? Yes. So, uh, you can read Davey's thoughts on both of those, uh, and you can listen to him on Up Next. Tomorrow... I will be hosting a solo edition of the cafe hangout, John. It will be tied up because of everything that's been going on. John needs to spend a bit more time on Thursdays with his son, so I'll be I'll be opening the, up the hangout uh, myself. Takeout only, though, because I'm the only one working there. But uh, feel free to to drop by the the pickup window because I'll I'll be looking to chat remotely to all of you guys. Uh, a lot of you guys are probably staying stuck at home right now, and you know this would be a nice opportunity to catch up with everybody from all parts of the world to see how you're handling uh isolation how you're handling social dis- distancing what what the uh the covid-19 um uh pandemic is is perhaps uh, how it's affecting your part of the world uh in addition to that I'll have Matt Nixon to talk about freelance wrestling's uh charity show that's taking place on uh this weekend called warehouse wars it was called in your warehouse or in our yes. warehouse uh but that is no longer the case and we'll ask matt Nix about that but he'll be on talking about it uh this is of course one of the charity shows that john was referring to uh where in in front of an empty warehouse uh wrestlers will have matches and um viewers will be allowed to donate so matt Nix will be joining us in addition to that long time listener and longtime friend of the show ahmad butt Will be joining us. Um, some people might only be familiar with his photoshopping skills. If you're a longtime listener of ours, however, uh, professionally in the time since we've been doing podcasting, the man has become a very um, accomplished um, uh, 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 professional uh, counselor. So he'll be talking to us perhaps about maybe some of the mental effects of of what's going on right now and how people might be able to do with it, because c- deal with it. Because you know, I would say it's been like a week. John, like to this point in time, since like this whole thing exploded, it was about a week ago on Wednesday when like uh uh the NBA shut down and the NBA mm-hmm. players got got to test uh, tested positive. Tom Hanks news came out. We've had about a week to kind of digest and maybe adjust to it. It's at this point now where I feel like a lot of people are perhaps you know trying to figure out maybe what to do next. Where you might be social socially isolating. You might be you know you you have your toilet paper. Um, but what about the mental toll that it's taken on everybody? And Ahmad has, you know, graciously offered to come on the show to talk a little bit about that. So, and, and it, it, in addition to that phone calls from all of you, so it's a, it's a show that I really want to do and, uh, I look forward to doing it for my bedroom
0: tomorrow. Okay. Before we go to dynamite, I'm instituting a new segment. Okay. That we're, that we're going to bring in every now and then. Okay. What okay. is, what, what is one good thing that has come out of all of this for you. What is, what is something that you, that is a positive for you, uh, during your day that's allowed you to maybe reflect or to spend more time at something. Give me, give me something happy.
1: Well, I'm eating out a lot less. I'm not eating out at all. So, you know, cooking at home certainly is healthier and it's saving money. Um, not going out to eat is, you know, yeah. I mean, it sucks for, for the businesses, unfortunately, but at the same time, I think, uh, um my wallet is i guess thankful and maybe my my body's even a little bit thankful so that's one good thing now that i think about it
0: like i have not spent any money in two days like not a penny yeah i mean which is which is terrible for the economy yeah because multiply me by most people um i mean and that dollar that
1: you're saving saving is kind of you know it's 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 going to be worth less and less unfortunately I'm uh, going to be
0: very, I, I'm going to donate a lot uh, at the end of all of this. I'm going to spend like mad. I'm going to eat out yeah, every other day.
1: Great. That sounds great. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just going to throw money out the window and just, I'm
0: going to say this, like I, I buy I, a
1: boat, a boat, no, a rowboat. No. Maybe.
0: Uh, Driving has never been less chaotic in this city. Toronto had become like one of the worst cities to drive in. It was brutal. And now you you just sail. You can go anywhere, anytime. There's nowhere to go, but just jump in your car and go drive. Sure, yeah. It's relaxing. I, I like driving. I do like driving. I hate traffic.
1: Gas is dirt cheap right now. That's, you know, one of the side effects of this whole thing. But, um, you know, that's why I also wanted to talk to a lot of people is to see how how they're spending their time. You know, I feel like this is an opportunity for a lot of people to pick up hobbies, starting podcasts. I feel like a bunch of people have done that recently, and that's really exciting. Uh, Maybe learning an instrument, learning a language, learning how to, I don't know, make potpourri whatever, whatever you want to do now is like the time for a lot of people to invest uh, that that extra energy. Put together a
0: six-minute newscast in your bedroom. Great, great example. With some music underneath it. That was wonderful. Very well done. I, I I I don't want to disclose how long that six minutes took. A lot more than six minutes will be my spoiler. It's 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 appreciated
1: either way. <laughs> All right, oh, let's get into and then di- Friday oh. British British Wrestling Experience for to Smackdown. Yes. Uh, The Rocky Mountain via, via Picture Show on Saturday. Thunderstruck is on Sunday post-pro-res also on Sunday, and Monday, the return of The Double Shot with John Pollock and myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Double Shot is back. We'll be talking about the FCW documentary. Um, We'll be talking about uh, the Stone Cold Bret Hart interview that aired on the WWE Network. And who knows what else comes out by then. But we got you guys covered. You'll be sick of us. I guarantee you when all this is said and done.
0: Yes, we're gonna work our way into your mute button. So, uh, look forward to lots of shows uh, coming up uh, in the coming days, including WH Park Day on Sunday. I, I can't wait. I haven't I haven't talked to WH in a while, so I'm looking forward to catching up with him on Sunday. And also, like you know, on a serious note, seeing like where things are in Japan at the moment. That has been you know was hit from this like a month before we have to to this degree, and uh, we'll we'll definitely chat w- with uh, WH about that on Sunday.
1: Let's do it dynamite Um, hey i forgot where i wanted to give out a a t-shirt um rather than draw why don't we um pick somebody from the feedback later on today to give a shirt to just remind
0: okay that's that's a great idea i will remember that so wednesday night they were at daly's place in jacksonville florida and we start off it looked like they started this where cody had already begun his speech because he seemed to be like mid-sentence here where they they began he said that we are He is not going to live in fear because that isn't living. And next to Tony Khan, Matt Jackson is the biggest reason for AEW being formed and talked about his anger with hangman page misplaced last week. And he pretty much goes through all the members of the elite and how he needs them all to be at their best. He talks about his competitive rivalry with Omega and he needs the real Omega and he needs the elite to be elite for blood and guts. So Matt Jackson and Omega come out. This is all, like, the lights are out. It's just like a spotlight on the ring. It is so cavernous inside of this empty building that is almost haunting. Because the Performance Center, it is still an intimate environment. This was just this giant, in comparison, venue.
1: Yeah. Cavernous would absolutely be the right word. And isn't this, like, outdoors, too? Daily's Place?
0: Yeah. It has that function i th- does it close at all or is
1: it just always because this looked to be enclosed it looked Closed. you're right this this episode did look closed yeah so I, anyway i'm not uh it, it, it's it's bigger than the performance center and i actually kind of like the way it looked where where they didn't even light up the crowd and it was just almost a spotlight in the middle of this ring
0: i couldn't see any of the crowd with the lighting um
1: <laughs> yeah
0: sorry jackson and omega are out And Omega mentions that him and Cody have never seen eye to eye. Matt repeats that Nick Jackson is out indefinitely. And that will include the blood and guts match whenever it takes place. And hangman page comes out with a beer and a Dixie chicks shirt. The
1: Dixie, the Dixie chicks are are the epitome of cowboy shit.
0: Yeah, it was like, he was wearing a blazer as well. So if you looked at the weird angle, you might've thought it was a Dixie Carter shirt, but they are going to stand together. Uh, but Paige just wanders to the back. And it makes you wonder, like, why why is Hangman in this match? Why is he even part of this match? Uh well, because he's part of the elite. Not by his choice. Is he bound oh, by contract to be in this match? Does he have to
1: participate? He yeah. hates these guys, except for Kenny. Well, right, but they, they have a they have a certain chemistry. It's like a band, you know? Like it's like a Like, you know, these two members of the band hate each other, yet you can't. It's Oasis. Yeah. Yet yet you can't play these songs without both Noel and Liam there.
0: Oh. And he's been drinking way too much champagne.
1: Yes. With, uh,
0: With Mike Bucci. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. I, I I'm just I'm stuck in a room all day. Way it's like this is my outlet. Okay, I just no, I'm, I just, I I'm throwing it. it all at you. You know what? Okay? I,
1: I was just trying to replicate the MT Arena um, audience reaction for you. I'm laughing on the inside.
0: Omega says the world goes on. We're going to give you the best possible show. So turn on the lights and the pyro. And they proceeded to turn on the lights and go through uh, who knows how much in pyro costs, but they just lit this place up like it was the Fourth of July.
1: Well, when you don't have people, you make up for it with uh, loud noises and, you know, fire. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, the mood here was to, you know, try to make this show feel like a regular edition of Dynamite. And fireworks tends to put people in a good mood. So I think that was what that was.
0: Maybe, maybe a little excessive, given like the, the state of the world right now that, you know, here we have money to literally burn.
1: <laughs> I don't disagree with that either. I, I've i always kind of thought prior was pretty frivolous um anyway i thought it was a great rallying promo from cody you know he definitely man has really come into this role of like whether you know if you want to call him like the triple h of this promotion or the paul Heyman of this promotion like he feels like he is the voice uh the person who is there to kind of like rally the troops and it was a great type of promo for him here it, it almost like what I found pretty interesting was that they were almost able to use the mood of the world and sort of like I don't know just the weakened state of society to like get the elite to put aside their differences to get together you know like on one hand on the one hand he was talking about like a real world circumstance, but then the rest of this promo was pretty much all story
0: they were way more um open to acknowledging the real world events, but much like w w e They are not saying coronavirus or COVID-19 like those terms just seem like they are actively avoiding utilizing uh, on, on the broadcast.
1: Yeah, I really do feel like there's, you know, from from both companies, like an element of just wanting to have these shows feel like escape escapism. And I suppose part of it is to not be reminded. But for me personally, just seeing two people within like close proximity to each other or three people in close proximity to one another is kind of already enough to like, remind me of like, Hey, like I've, I've been training myself not to do this recently. So didn't really have that effect on me. You know, I was watching CP 24 today. Like I've been watching like a lot of CP 24 um, actually, but like they were doing streeter interviews and the interviewer had like, are they all using, using one microphone? They're using one microphone, but they're using one microphone on a boom pole. So the interviewer is conducting his interviews from like a, a, like a meter, about a meter or a meter and a half away. So, um, you know, and they're typically off camera, so you don't even really see them. But at the same time, that's like the type of, I think, um, I don't know, uh, precaution that I, I admire from people that are still out there trying to do their jobs, but doing it within, I think, you know, the demands of, of our society. Jim Ross
0: is with Excalibur and Taz, and Tony Schiavone was there, very busy throughout this show, but uh, they did have Taz on for the entire two hours. Death Triangle feature, and then our first interview with Schiavone was with MJF, who is not wrestling, because he doesn't have to, and the winner's purse is not enough. And tonight, he is resting his undefeated body, and going to let the undercard talent get their TV time, and he is going to sit down while they kill themselves, and then references Sean Spears, who is next to him, and Tony asks if they're gambling on the matches, and MJF freaks out, but then they are gambling
1: on the matches. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I i don't know, you know, what, like, this guy better be on, like, a dark match. This guy better be on some sort of match, because, like, just to have him here... I, I cannot fathom this. that they
0: didn't, like, I... I'm nearly positive that they had to have taped a bunch of stuff with all these people that were here tonight. Like it felt like everyone was there minus, you know, a handful
1: anyway. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, so, so on this episode of, of dynamite, they had the heels, basically what, what heels were there were sitting on one side of the ring and the baby faces were also sitting on the other side of the ring. And that was kind of their way of providing a bit of, bit of atmosphere. Audience. Yeah. How did you think it worked? Um, I thought the idea was good. Uh, Again, this is also, you know, putting aside everything, everything that we've, we've just talked about, about, you know, limiting the amount of of people gathering at a certain spot. There are way more than 10 here. Certainly, yes. Um, A lot more than 10. I thought the noise uh, was good at the start, but I I don't know. To me, it slowly kind of started to fade into like real nothingness because like in a wrestling match, I look for peaks and valleys in reaction and i i would say you know what 10 people fit like eight people nine people being ringside can't really do that so uh, eventually it just it just kind of felt like ultimate fighter where you had the corners just
0: constantly yelling
1: right right
0: so yeah we had mjf with sean spears tully blanchard wardlow on one side, uh, later you could see Lance Archer with Jake Roberts, and then on the opposite end, uh, Joey Janela, Daniels, Kazarian, Cabana, Sonny Kiss, and MJF is taunting Chucky T, saying, "You're in great shape for a potato." Huh. I mean, th- this guy should have just been on commentary because <laughs> he was like going to blow his voice out. Um, Orange Cassidy was out on commentary and fell asleep. And Phoenix stares down Cassidy, who rises up and stares him down, and then Trent and Taylor lay him out with a clothesline. We go through the commercial. They work over Trent and his leg. Then the best friends come back, assisted cutters delivered to Phoenix, and they go for the hug. And instead of the hug, they do the elbow tap because it, it was almost like we are acknowledging Oh, we're not supposed to be in close contact here, so of course we're not going to hug, but let's get back to our goddamn wrestling
1: match. I know, I know. Uh, I did like the spot, you know, like if they did hug, I thought that would have been pretty maddening. But, you know, the fact that they didn't almost like was calling attention and I think, you know, showing people, hey, like, hugs aren't really cool right now. But pro wrestling apparently is. so. <laughs> but, yeah, doing back pile, to that. Doing a pile driver or a chin lock, all that's fine.
0: Orange Cassidy leaps off the stage onto the Lucha Bros. And then there's a stuffed pile driver by Taylor. Only gets a two on Pentagon. And then behind the referee's back, Pentagon kicks Trent in the balls. And Taylor gets sent to the floor. And they finish off Trent with the package pile driver. Double foot stomp combination. Pentagon Jr. wins
1: the match. Uh, good match. Good match very weird without the crowd um you know i'm gonna kind of kind of sound like a broken record throughout this review but it just it was just kind of a hard thing to shake you know it's weird how like you mentioned the ultimate fighter and i feel like I'm, i can watch mma like without an audience fine but wrestling without an audience
0: i know is, is i i, I think different. any I, I think almost any sport i don't think i would have the hang-up that i do with with wrestling because yeah. it's it's so much. People will always ask us, like, why do you put so much stock in the crowd? It's kind of, like that is literally the point. It's, it it's is to go it. out. It is to get over with your audience. Like that is pretty much the central goal of a professional wrestling match, and everything is catered to the fans. Versus they are spectators, but the the win and the loss is of most
1: importance. It, 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 wrestling feeds off of its audience in in order to exist and. I mean, I almost equate it to, like, a stand-up comedy show. Can you imagine, like, stand-up comedy without, like, a laugh track? At
0: exactly. Least? This is closer to Saturday Night Live going ahead with their shows, as opposed to comparing this to Major League Baseball or an NBA game. Right. Yeah. Tony interviews the best friends. Taylor calls the death triangle chumps for kicking his friend in the dick. And they challenge them to a street fight on an actual street or a parking lot. For the next Dynamite. And this was our first reference to uh, the next Dynamite instead of next week.
1: Uh, do you think the the idea of doing a parking lot fight has anything to do with, you know, what's going on? Um,
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is something you could just tape in the back. I hope they did. Right. Yeah. So, um. Then we add a four-way. Hikaru Shida, Chris Statlander, Riho, and Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian out with Penelope Ford. And Sabian is getting involved. He trips up Statlander and Shida, and then they attack him. And all three women are on the floor, minus Riho, who comes off the top with a high cross. Shida did the spot where she snaps suplexes Chris Statlander onto Ford in the corner. And then they set up for Chris Statlander to take all of these uh, top turnbuckle uh, offensive maneuvers from the other three and it was to start with penelope ford with a flying hurricane rana that was totally blown and then statlander had to just um transition to the next turnbuckle riho delivered the top rope hurricane rana fine and then chris hit a missile drop kick um riho then came off of ford's back for a knee strike taking out kip sabian on the apron and then uh, penelope ford after that that blowing spot uh kind of redeemed thing redeemed Things when she leaped off the second rope, coming out backwards into a poison rana onto Statlander, and hit that pretty flawlessly. And then we saw a handspring by Penelope into a drop kick from Sheeta. Sheeta hit the Falcon Arrow only for a two count, and then finished Ford with the running knee strike at five
1: forty-seven. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I think certainly the thing that thing that stood out to me the most was Penelope Ford and sort of her little arc between screwing up. Uh, in in that rough spot with Chris Statlander. I don't know who really was to blame there, but uh, like you said, I thought she redeemed herself with that poison Rana, springboard poison Rana off the second rope. I feel like much of this match was perhaps made to showcase Penelope Ford because I think the other three have already kind of been seen at this level for a period now, whereas Penelope Ford seems to be like somebody who's been elevated from dark dark onto this stage. And I thought overall, she did enough to impress me. You know, she's, she's... she seems to have a great, like, character. Uh, her in-ring is... You know, that little blown spot aside, I feel like it, up to par, certainly. So, she seems to be another person who is kind of elevated into this, like... I don't know. I would say a pretty neutral, uh, eh, muddied mix of of uh, women's talent. You have Hikaru Shida here who won this one. Even though she took the loss to Nyla Rose last week, this week she gets her win back. And I know, ultimately... You can only focus on one person at the time, and right now it seems to be B Priestley going for that belt. But um, I, I'll still say no single person really, you know, making grabbing that much attention in the division.
0: No, yeah. but certainly it looks like uh, Sheeta was someone there. They're isolating here, and, and we'll you know the, you the, the time match time had time it.
1: Years. Yeah, we will see. Like Tony, I, I, at this point, I wonder how we don't even know if they'll be doing other shows. So how 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 well can they sustain a singular push for any any one of these talents?
0: Yeah, I, I think we'll know a lot more about what what is the short term plans for AEW. I would imagine in the next day or so we'll probably have a much clearer picture of um what what their plan is. What the what what are they doing? Um, because I, I came out of it with a lot of questions. Shivani interviewed Colt Cabana, noting he is now two and zero. And he notes that it's really weird here. And he's scouting. He puts over the women's division and Penelope Ford, but said there was too much interference from Kip Sabian, who then gets up into Cabana's face, and Cabana just swats him right in the face and notes that he too is a wrestler and just no-sells Sabian and just went right back to Shivani. He's like, I don't have a care in the world about that guy. And this would not be the first time... Uh, the Cabana just could not keep his hands to himself on this show.
1: Uh, yeah, right. He, yeah, I mean, first program, Cabana versus Kip Sabian, I think is is a decent, like, first real program for Cole Cabana. He slapped the shit out of this dude, too. Oh, he did, yeah. It needed to be hard. And didn't Kip Sabian say something about his podcast on the way out? I couldn't make out what he, what he said.
0: I was expecting, the way Cabana just no-sold the guy and turned his back to him, I thought for sure Kip was coming back to just attack him but that did not happen but yeah looks to be a program for Cabana Tony Giovanni interviews John Moxley he is outside with the Ford GT and he has not been medically cleared and therefore not allowed in the arena he is going to lurk wherever the inner circle is and he is not going to miss blood and guts and like again like there is no way they could have brought Moxley all the way here uh, which would be where the Ford g t is is housed like this is uh, this is Shad Khan's car, right, yeah, and it wasn't like they were flying Shivani out to go do this 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 interview um so anyway, um yeah, that was that was the one bit we got with Moxley on this entire show,
1: yeah, yeah, really hard to comment, like it really does seem like they wouldn't get these people out here with if they weren't planning on a second day of shooting or something like that, so yeah, I don't know which what
0: could then be the hang up about having a show next week like that's what i just
1: i don't get i don't know we we don't like, know to what, me the what the
0: logistical doing. issue would be getting the the guys physically and women physically to jacksonville once they're there it's like the problem should not be having two hours next week so i i'm very curious what what the explanation is for all of this
1: i feel like this conversation might even be dated by the time like people hear it cuz I, 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 if they are taping again shortly, I can't see that being kept a secret too long. Okay, well then I'm going to ask a big
0: favor. Okay, if this is dated by the time everyone's listened to this on Thursday, at I am John Pollock. You have to tell me why we were incorrect as we're speaking no. right now. Oh please, you have to. And <laughs> and even if you see someone else has tweeted us, assume I haven't seen it. I will only see it if I get multiples, like maybe a hundred. <laughs> so please tweet me and please alert me because uh it's it's such a big help when <laughs> people alert us when something right. when when time is not to our advantage as but, we're doing this uh an hour but, after dynamite ended
1: i don't want to discourage people from like you know like interacting with us if we say something wrong cuz inevitably we will say many things wrong throughout the course of our broadcast careers but I'll say if we can all keep it to one place that would be great and the one place that has typically been the place where people have corrected us for anything on our shows in the past has been the unofficial post-wrestling fact-checking thread at form.postwrestling.com use use and abuse the shit out of that thing and correct us all you guys want but you know keep it all there so that we don't just double up and triple up and quadruple up our our mistakes
0: but but if you must, like just oh God. hundreds, hundreds, just just yourself, tweet it multiple times. You yeah. never know, we might miss it. The butcher and the blade against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. MJF slips butcher and the blade some money. Again, not uh, not something that is to be encouraged, but I guess on the, on the scale of things, this was relatively low. Jungle Boy is caught on the floor by both and gets swung into the guardrail, and they just beat the hell out of Jungle Boy. Cabana is standing up. And the butcher is down on the floor. So what does Cabana do? He wipes his hand over the back of the sweaty butcher, takes his hand, and then wipes it onto the curtain on the guardrail. (laughs) Disgusting. Fuck. Like, literally, this is a PSA of what not to do.
1: It was that. It was Jungle Boy coming out, spitting water. Like, I mean, these are things that are, would you know normally be just... Nobody would think twice about it a week ago. But um, the world's very different from a week ago. But again, it was a week ago that, you know,
0: yeah.
1: kind of everyone was on alert. So, John, so, you'd just be su- surprised, dude. A lot of people just don't pay attention to news. A lot of people just are... are, are maybe might pay attention and, and not give a shit. I, I definitely do feel like, though, if you're a broadcaster... Or if you're like, you know, AEW putting on a TV show, I do feel like there's a level of responsibility to be like, you know. Yes. Like, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not faulting
0: Jungle Boy for coming out and just doing what Jungle Boy does. Like, it's like you're not necessarily connecting the dots here. That you know, if like mistakes are going to be made, and, that, and that's the problem. This is not natural. What we're doing right now, this is totally weird. It's unprecedented. So when you're putting people in natural environments that they're so used to, like, again, it's like we could go through a litany of pro wrestling spots that you just would not think of because that's just what these guys and these females do.
1: It's, it's just second nature. A match itself would, would not happen like under CDC guidelines. I feel so
0: it's, and that's the point I like, I, these promotions do have to have some responsibility and it's, it's, you know, th- these performers is like, you know, I I don't think Cabana was thinking twice about just doing like some funny spot. But it's now
1: it's just it makes just people a- think about the other thing.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just all potential areas of risk. And hopefully it's low and hopefully there isn't anything. But you can't say that this was a safe idea because a safe idea would mean there's no risk. Right. I don't want to go off on the same tangent a million times. They, uh, Luchasaurus ended up getting the hot tag moonsault onto the butcher. Then Butcher flung Jungle Boy over the top. It appeared that Butcher was going, or sorry, that Jungle Boy was to be thrust in the air for a destroyer. I assume because this was anything but. It was just totally messed up. He ends up on the floor. Butcher gets, uh, double teamed and sent to the floor. Luchasaurus then flings the blade up for a cutter from Jungle Boy, who then just like stumbles to the floor in order to give a kick to the butcher who is already down on his back. It just was very clunky as Luchasaurus then pinned the blade.
1: Something was definitely off here in the finish. I don't know who kind of screwed up here, but like it felt like they went for the finish and Luchasaurus was ready to just go for the pinfall. Yet Jungle Boy was ready to do a dive or some sort of spot on the outside, even though his opponent was not up for it because everybody else seemed to think that it was the finish so I don't know if there was a bit of a certainly certainly something felt like was messed up here it kind of just fell apart to me at at the end yeah Um, you know sloppiness um, abounds, but I thought a decent match overall not much more to say about it than that Dark Order came out
0: and they said the Exalted One is near they're going to breathe new life into the Dark Order and Evil Uno says he is near Daniels and Kazarian come out, no Scorpio Sky, and Daniel said that they have not made Alex Reynolds or John Silver any better, you've wasted our time, these people's time, watching at home, and caught himself there, and doesn't believe there's an exalted one. But then a video plays, and it's a muffled voice with this man in a hood saying that they do what they want, when they want, and if he wants something, he takes it. Let the dark order in, or I will personally kick the door in. And the man is revealed as Brody Lee. He calls Daniels unsafe, and he will be punished. You are not the first out-of-touch old man not to believe in him, but he will be the last. I am the exalted one. And we cut back to the ring, and it's just silence, obviously, and then Brody Lee joins in on the attack and they beat up Daniels and Kazarian. So Brody Lee uh is the exalted one with the Dark Order.
1: Yeah, and the attack he did like sort of a Sister Abigail setup into his uh, discus clothesline. Mm-hmm. So that's this, that seems to be his this is brother Ab Brother Abigail. Brother Abigail, yeah. I, I think the uh you have to, you know, you have to assume that this was meant to be a big reveal in Rochester. Uh, yeah I think so I think they were expecting a a much bigger response than this got but but what I mean is yeah I mean it was supposed to be done in the man's hometown and this was probably supposed to have you know been this great thing unfortunately it seemed like they had little choice to do it um, but but in this circumstance and I definitely felt like it was a little underwhelming you know given the months and months of like teasing Um, personally I almost felt a, a bit of disappointment that like we've talked about earlier, because I think the promise of like, or at least the tease of Matt Hardy was, was so strong. uh, At least with me, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't him. Not that this, you know, Brody Lee exalted one gimmick can't be great. I guess I just had envisioned like Matt Hardy's kind of comedic, big, loud tone as sort of perfect for this dark order gimmick. Brody Lee is certainly much lower on the totem pole in terms of star power. He also doesn't have a track record of being able to cut the level of like main event type of promo that I think a man Hardy would have been able to, but I'm still willing to give it a chance. You know, he's very incredibly talented, incredibly underutilized. Um, even in the promo front, I haven't really heard that much from him. So the the question is, you know, how much opportunity will he have to impress in this kind of current format?
0: Yeah. And will this like, is this still going to be a kind of mid to lower card? gimmick
1: i mean it's brody lee versus chris daniels right that's that's the feud we're we're looking at coming out of this whole thing
0: and probably like scu by extension like getting involved and that seems to be you know where where we're going with this is like six mans and daniels and lee right yeah so we will see where it goes like i understand and we'll it it was much more pronounced later but yeah was it was this an ideal circumstance to debut and reveal you know, two big surprises tonight? No. But realistically, they may not be in front of a crowd until the summer. Maybe longer. It's mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. It, like, that's just what you've been dealt. So it's either, you know, we're doing the shows. We're going ahead with our stories. We can't just wait to debut these guys under what would obviously be much more ideal circumstances. So um, it's unfortunate, but it's what they're dealing with. Then we had Tony with... Jake Roberts and Lance Archer. He said he isn't here to talk. That being Lance, which would be the question. Then if he's not here to talk, then what is he here for? Uh, He tells Cody. Jake says, I'm a hall of famer and we don't play games. They came and told him what they wanted. And then they were ignored by Cody, which is the equivalent of spitting in our face. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) the elite are bitching like little girls arguing about going to the prom and it's time for cody to stand up and face the man it wasn't supposed to be personal but now it is and we're gonna get your attention yep that was the promo i wouldn't say as
1: memorable as jake's from a few weeks ago yeah no i can't really say say that either the video though yeah we get this pre-tape um back into
0: the woods where the, I guess the, the Wyatt family maybe had been hibernating and <laughs> Archer appears in like this makeshift ring in the middle of the, the, the woods. And he just proceeds to destroy these guys. And I'm kind of curious did, if you thought this was too over the top, because I thought this was like kind of a unique way to showcase Lance Archer and, and, got over the blackout got over the pounce got over his catchphrase and at the end of it like they were showing a photo of cody with caesar written over top in blood and then one more dude comes up right at the end and gets choke slammed onto a car and then rammed repeatedly into the hood so the the
1: iron claw slam right
0: yeah yeah this was with the the the, uh the the ebd claw E B D, yeah. Sorry, I,
1: I called it the B D E claw. Oh God! Yeah, uh, I liked it. I thought it was really cool. It was a cool way of introducing the guy uh, and his moves. It looked good, got your attention, and just told you that this dude was a badass. It was it was nice and simple and well done. Yeah, the B D E claw really should.
0: The BDE claw, I mean, how is that not a shirt for those guys? If those
1: guys continue, next time they do an AEW review and they cook something, I think they should, like, get white claws and, like, cook with them and call it a BDE claw.
0: You you know who
1: Davy's favorite
0: wrestler that uses the EBD claw is named? Don't know. Lance Ahoyte.
1: Man, you might need to get out more. I'm going to go for a jog as soon
0: as we're done this show. Jim Ross tees up, the next time we have dynamite, it was so awkward, uh, the wording here. They plugged Wardlow versus Luchasaurus in a lumberjack match. At this point, it's like, we don't care. We just don't care. It's called the the social
1: enclosure match. Let's just call it that. Can you have a lumberjack match with uh, people standing two meters apart? Six feet apart between people. Would that count? Yeah,
0: they'll all have uh, (laughs) yardsticks. Uh, The graphic just reads next Dynamite and then Lucha Bros versus the best friends in a parking lot brawl. A blood and guts match, which they show on the graphic is going to be five on four because Nick Jackson is out indefinitely. The inner circle come out minus Chris Jericho because he gets his own entrance, which led to Sammy Guevara singing the song in the most brutal fashion possible, and
1: I loved it. Oh, this was so great. This is, like, my favorite part of the show. They just, like, because it was an empty arena, <laughs> the only voice you heard And I mean, of course, this was also because he had a mic, was Sammy Guevara, who knew every single... No, he knows every single... He's the guy who started this. So, of course, he knows every single word of the song, but then, like, not every single word, because, like, it gets to, like, the verses, and he just starts to mumble it, like he would at karaoke. Uh and Jericho was like breaking here as he was just like trying not to laugh as he's watching this this goofball try to do this it was awesome uh,
0: Guevara, uh, Guevara like stuck to the bit like he just he did not like trail off he like kept going
1: oh so great so great so Jericho's
0: on commentary always fun when he's on commentary uh Page lands his big boot, but he's not going to celebrate with Cody. Oh, sorry, it's it's Jake Hager, Ortiz, and Santana against Cody, Hangman Page, and Matt Jackson, and the winning team gets the numbers advantage at Blood and Guts. Hager is working over Cody's arm, going for a guillotine. Cody fires back. Crossroads is hit. Then um, eventually they make the hot tag. Page hits the flying clothesline on the apron. Follow slam to Santana, and then a Pescado. It was a, it was a really good sequence here from Page. Cody lands his suicide dive, takes Ortiz, throws him at MJF and Wardlow grabs Cody and Arn Anderson comes up with his, his notes and slams Wardlow with the, uh, with the notepad. Matt does his Northern lights onto Santana, then double teams Hager along with hangman page. So it's Matt and hangman coming together to hit a Northern Lights suplex. And then, they're going to do the indie Taker together. And before Page can do the springboard, he gets yanked to the floor, causing Santana to roll up Matt and win. The inner circle get the numbers advantage.
1: Good match. You know, the thing that I, I, I enjoy the most about this was how they managed to continue the Matt Jackson, Adam Page story. In this chapter, you know, Matt and Page are starting to work together again. Uh, but even though Page is like kind of reluctant to show that he's he wants to be part of the elite again. You know, he's kind of acting like he, oh, I didn't really help you. You know, I didn't, I don't really care about you, but nonetheless, like they're clearly going with him as a baby face now. You know, I don't think, I think you might still get teases of him turning, but I, I feel like they're running whether or not this was like always the plan. I'm not sure, but like, it, it feels like to me that he's like, you know, just like the hottest baby face in the company right now. And I think they're running with it. Uh, and the story that they're telling between him and Matt Jackson, I think has, despite everything, I think it's it's been pretty good. And afterwards, Jericho tells
0: them he knew they would do it. They've got the numbers advantage, so Jericho is banning all fans from all future AEW events until he says so, even if the world changes tomorrow. It's now five on four. They put up their middle fingers, the inner circle, at the top of the ramp. Stating that the elite don't stand a chance when blood and guts happens. Hager, all sweaty from the match, does a push-up. Like, all right. Sammy, get on top of him. So Sammy climbs on top of Jake Hager, and he does the push-up, all sweaty. He says that there, Jericho says there's no crack in their armor. They have dominated AEW and the elite. And when it comes time for blood and guts, they will dominate that as well. And looks like he was, he was just going here until suddenly Vanguard One enters the arena and is buzzing over top of the inner circle. And Matt Jackson says he called a friend that owed him a favor. The piano music plays, and there in the rafters is Broken Matt, does the delete signal, and just stares down the inner circle. And Jericho had to sell that he's seen a ghost, and then I heard a ghost— because the final words that you heard on Dynamite were five, four, three, two, one, and I thought Drew McIntyre was showing up, but we just ended the show.
1: Well, those mics are very sensitive. Uh, well, in- that's that's unfortunate. Like that's that's
0: one thing that we're gonna see in some of these lengthier matches with dudes that are like calling spots and stuff. Like, can you imagine what? Oh yeah, some of the stuff you're gonna hear.
1: Oh, and the John Cena Bray Wyatt match? Yeah. It, it, the whole match will are, it'll be like a train uh like a tutorial on how to put a wrestling match together, maybe.
0: It's gonna be tough for some people, uh, in this environment, especially where it's not just a four or five minute TV match. It's something yeah. that they have to go a bit longer. But uh that was the end of Dynamite. It was a very difficult show to kind of uh compare to other episodes. I, I thought wrestling wise, I thought this was actually one of the weaker dynamites we have seen and there were just a lot of circumstances that kind of uh affected this show for me but it, very hard to grade this as a traditional wrestling show
1: uh i don't disagree i again though it's it's hard for me to compare like the level of wrestling in this episode even to like last week's cuz i i felt like i was like watching half a match you know it felt like i was watching tv in black and white you know like i'm 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 only seeing like half of the puzzle here of what this match really could have been in front of an audience. Um, the reveal here of Matt Hardy, I thought was well done. Uh, certainly, it would have been bet- insane with the crowd, but I think nonetheless still a really impactful one. I love seeing Vanguard 1 again. I can't believe like throughout his entire WWE run, we never had like, we had Vanguard 1, I guess what, in, in the, the Ultimate Deletion thing, but they never made more use of it. It never felt like this version of Broken Matt Hardy had ever existed, um, and I'm excited to see AEW take this version of Matt Hardy back and really bring it back in 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 Matt Matt Hardy's own vision. So even though, like, I think the what made the reveal better to me was like, you know, after they announced um, Brody Lee as the Exalted One, I was like, oh, okay, we're probably not going to get broken, Matt, this episode. But then to get it here, kind of caught me by surprise. So I thought it was a good reveal. Um, the episode overall strange yeah that's really all you could say about these shows is um beyond i think even like the i don't know debate about whether or not they should be occurring they are they are you know at best i think band-aid solutions and they feel like them so i again though what a lot of people seem grateful that they had new wrestling to watch so yeah i don't know
0: That was dynamite. Uh, We'll go. (laughs) I mean, I don't have much more to add than I like. Listen, I I know people are not going to appreciate my opinions on this, but I'm I I just feel that we overall I, I just I don't feel we should just be putting our heads in the sand and watching this like normal wrestling shows and looking at this being like the outlier to so many others that don't believe that. Like NASCAR is not running. You know what I mean? The idea, like, if you were to come up with a sport that we could have empty ovals and we could have a driver in a fire-resistant suit, isolated in a car, driving in circles, where the the biggest interaction would be with among the pit crew, they are not
1: running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm just a concerned I'm, citizen. Well, I mean you've spoken to experts and I don't know. Um I, I'm curious to watch NXT and I'm curious for you to watch NXT as well. Um and then maybe we could chat a bit about that on either the or I might chat a bit bit about it on the hangout, but I'll chat about it with you on uh on Friday on SmackDown.
0: Yeah. I, I did see the beginning of the Gargano Chompa video, which was the first like ten, fifteen minutes, and it was really good. Um, I did did like that. It was just the two in opposite locations, like reflecting on everything from 2015 when they were first turned down by WWE and then getting into the Cruiserweight Classic. And they're just going through their whole history. And I I thought it was really good, but I've only seen about 10, 15 minutes.
1: Well, for the next like three, four four editions of Raw and SmackDown, I mean, this could potentially be, if successful, a type of format that they would employ for those shows too.
0: There is something to be said about You know, having at least as an experiment, like less wrestling on Raw and SmackDown, Mm -hmm. that that is part of the appeal of WrestleMania, that we are not delivering the spectacle of WrestleMania, but fans actually do want to see the matches because they aren't seeing new matches on Raw and SmackDown.
1: The problem is if you have a paying audience that's there live, do you feel a responsibility to give them more live content rather than stuff on a screen?
0: No, I'm just saying, like now in this current right. uh, setup as you have now. But you're right. Like when when we when things get back to normal, like you can't really get away with that in terms of, um, you know, do, doing these these live events that people do want to see matches. But, um, anyway, it's in all of this there is an ability to really assess how we do things and get creative. And I think that now, like, there to me, like the biggest issue is like. The the actual physical wrestling matches are something you could get away with without at the moment, mm-hmm. and I feel I feel less of a need that we had to get four matches tonight on Dynamite. Like there's different ideas you can throw out there, and Monday's rating would would suggest that if you have something that is captivating to people, the audience will stay. And I would say like the AEW audience, like they put out a lot of great non wrestling content as well that you can, um, you you can get around the heavy emphasis on in-ring wrestling, which to me would not be a high priority for me at the moment. I, Anyway, let's get into the feedback. There was uh, quite an abundance of it. So tonight's show got an 8.52. So our form very much enjoyed this show. Hagaki writes, great show beginning to end great women's match. And Jericho continues to be the best while it worked this time without a crowd. MJF Spears
1: was fun. I'll try not to wonder about the reactions it would have got. We go to Adi from Australia who says, Jesus, it is is amazing to me what AEW pulled off today. WWE's empty arena shows have bored me to tears. This show blew me away. They did everything amazingly from Brody to Matt to everything else. I am gobsmacked by what they did with no crowd. Also, Sammy singing Jericho's entrance was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time.
0: That part was very, very entertaining. Jeremy, I'm not sure what kind of curve you have to grade this show on, but it was nice to be entertained for two hours. I thought the wrestlers' acting as the crowd was great, made it much better than a standard empty arena show. They seem to keep saying next Dynamite instead of next week. I wonder if a hiatus is planned or if they're just hedging their bets. Most importantly, I hope you guys and your families are safe. Take care. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Very kind of you.
1: Noah says, that was an amazing episode, crowd or not. Although I'm still disappointed they are still running shows even with the risk of the virus. However, I thought tonight's was fantastic. Great idea having the wrestlers in the crowd. MJF was hysterical all night. Two incredible debuts and a bunch of good-to-great matches and some good promos and vignettes. The women's four-way was my favorite. With all that's going on in the world and in my current situation due to the virus's effect, I'm happy they were able to take my mind off of things for two hours. A 9 out of 10 show.
0: I'm glad our listeners didn't watch this show with you and I. I feel
1: we would have been the, the downers. No, I mean, I, I t- this is where I feel like it's it's you know i'm i'm so conflicted because on the one hand i feel like it's irresponsible to be like doing things like this right now on the other i see like the benefit it has to so many people that are watching so um for me it just might not be as as cut and dry of like a of an issue but i mean i i totally understand you know your your point as well Sean from Toronto,
0: all things considered, this is probably the best way to pull off an empty arena show, and the lack of fans actually helped during the final moments before Matt Hardy's reveal, as you just see Vanguard 1 appear out of nowhere. I'll disagree. If Vanguard 1 had flown in and the crowd all of a sudden starts pointing and noticing it, it would have been like a slow-building, like euphoric pop i think as soon as everyone realized what this flying object is because it it would be that delay before they figure it out Mm -hmm. i think it would have actually been a really big pop just for vanguard one
1: yeah i think so too
0: that said i'm concerned by the fact that the show wasn't really careful about social distancing particularly when it came to having wrestlers in the audience and aew might not be able to get away with this type of show if and when the coronavirus pandemic worsens I just shrugged my shoulders at the Brody Lee exalted one reveal. The former Luke Harper has just moved from one cult to another.
1: We got Alexander from Portland who says, I can only imagine how big the pops would have been for Matt Hardy and Brody Lee if there was an actual crowd. For the crowd we got, stellar. Wrestling isn't wrestling unless there's a crowd, and tonight we got a crowd that is arguably better than that scene in other independent promotions. While WWE has been unwilling to say coronavirus, COVID, or anything of the kind— AEW is willing to make jokes about the situation. AEW, WWE, as of late, has been putting on shows because they have to. While AEW put tonight on because they wanted to. Can can we say that for a fact? I don't know. No, I would say like there's
0: there is a desire from I think both companies. I again, like it's it's kind of unknown like how all these sports leagues are affected by not doing games and television contracts. Like it seems like everything right now is sort of, everyone's asking questions and there aren't a whole lot of answers. I, I would have a a hard time imagining that there is any intrinsic pressure on either side that you must run these, these events right now, because I don't think any, any television network would ever want that kind of, um, pressure to be known it would just be so harmful at this time to know that they were encouraging that kind of thing but again it's not like they're stopping them from doing it either so you can't say completely that you know it's like uh, at the end of the day AEW and TNT and the WWE with Fox and USA they are making the collaborative stance to the public that we are okay doing this and I think they all deserve whatever praise you have whatever uh, criticism you have they are in—they are in lockstep about going ahead together and doing this. One is providing the content; the other is running the content.
1: I have to wonder if AEW is like looking at WWE's moves for you know their cues about what might be allowed, what might not be allowed in their industry. Um, and I—I I certainly don't give them any more leeway than I would WWE when it comes to you know things like this. So I—I—I I, I, I disagree with that statement.
0: And just to add, like for for those that didn't listen to the the, the newscast I did on on Wednesday, not just Doctor Alex Patel, but he also spoke to two infectious disease doctors, and all three, saw, like came to the the conclusion like they would advise against this. It's not it's not
1: enormous. Wrestlemania risk. or or TV shows in general. Re- wrestling matches. Okay, wrestling matches in general, right? Yes. Okay, Alex goes on to say Lance Archer's video was tremendous. I wanted to make note of WrestleMania too. With it having been in the strange limbo for the past few weeks, I'm glad WWE is making it two nights. If it's being altered so much because of COVID-19, why not make additional tweaks to see if they work? It's hard to really care about specifics like who the host is or it being two nights when the more important fact is that it's taking place in an empty arena. My question about this, how soon do you think we'll know which matches take place on which Mania night?
0: I mean it's it's probably just breaking up the you know the the ti- the big title matches um
1: probably you know, the go home the- show is what I would say. I'm sure they're moving around those pieces all the time. Not like it matters, you know, if they announce them beforehand anyway.
0: Yeah. I I mean, yeah, they'll they'll probably just, you know, cut them in half and you'll have, you know, uh, probably Who, What
1: main the, event? What main event both nights? Each night, I mean.
0: I think I think what we probably get is Lesnar and uh, Goldberg on opposite nights with the the two championships. And then you probably split – probably the next two big matches are Taker Styles and Edge Orton. And maybe you split those two. Right. That would be my impression. And then um, wherever Becky and Shayna lands, probably opposite Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. I mean, those to me would be three and three that they split up among the two nights would be my guess. Yeah, that would make sense. But also doing the Saturday – I mean, tonight, as I mentioned, on NXT, like, they're starting, they're building up Gargano Ciampa. I mean, TakeOver's not happening on Saturday night. No, it's not. I mean, I, I think everything at the moment is pretty fluid. I feel they will do TakeOver at some point, because they've already started the build-up for it, but maybe it's it very well could just end up being on a, on a Wednesday episode, or they mm-hmm. they break up the matches to air over different weeks. Um, We'll see. But it was notable tonight that NXT did a different style of format than they did with Raw and with what they did um, on SmackDown and even, I guess, NXT last week was a normal show. Yeah. Let's continue on and we'll go to um, Barocles. Oh, sorry. This is Paul from the UK. What a great show in difficult circumstances. The wrestlers surrounding the ring added a little bit of noise, which helped things not feel so strange. The Jurassic Express match was a little botched, but those guys bust their asses. Most impressive of all was the continuation of the storylines, and while the two debuts would have obviously been better in front of a live crowd, I feel dragging them out further would have only hurt. Finally, I'm all in on weirdo
1: killer Lance Archer.
0: Bring on blood and
1: guts. We got a Kenny who says, I love AEW, but I was so uncomfortable watching the show tonight. I understand the show must must go on, but I think they way overdid it. Did every match need to be a multi man match? Did we need a woman's four way? Did we need sixty eight year old Jr sixty one year old Arn Anderson, Tony Tully, Jake, or Billy Gunn on the show? I think if one of those guys end up being sick, this show looks like a really really bad decision. I get that the guys were there voluntarily, but sometimes I think the boss has to make a smarter call, especially in an industry where you you're taught to never miss a booking. Even worse, they announced the lumberjack match for next week. I guess next that, dynamite. Next dynamite. They could that could mean a lot of things, but to me, that means there are going to be twenty guys around the ring who really don't need to be there. All that said, Sammy is an absolute treasure. When he started singing with MJF, I laughed the hardest I've laughed in weeks.
0: Yeah, I. I, I mean, you, you yeah. bring
1: up a lot of points. Absolutely. Yep. Like put it like, this way:
0: if if this if pro wrestling and you know, in, in some states, they they were uh, under commission oversight. This isn't happening.
1: No, it's not. The other thing is, two days from now, okay, knock on wood, somebody comes down with something and somebody tests positive. How bad is this show going to look?
0: Horrible. Absolute horrible judgment knowing, you know, you, you look at even like this this past weekend, like I watched SmackDown, I think you give them a bit of a pass on the, the Friday, maybe not, maybe maybe you don't even, even by Friday, but nonetheless, it's, by this point, I, I just think that it's, it, it looks really, really bad if um, a scenario like that happens for any companies running at this point. Yeah. Alex writes, What a show. For me, AEW has done in one night what WWE has failed to do in three. For two hours, I forgot about the world and I took in some amazing and compelling pro wrestling. Keeping the camera focused on the entrance and having talent in the crowd made the show feel more organic. Cody addressing the reality of the situation off the top was refreshing, glad it was not ignored. MJF and Spears worked well together. Also, MJF, as always, was gold tonight. The matches were solid, and the debuts of Lee and Hardy were awesome. After Lee was revealed to be the exalted one, the Hardy reveal was surprising. Given the competitors, given the competition's attempt under current situations, this was a solid 8.5 out of 10 for me. <laughs> and when Jungle Boy spit that water, all I could think about was wasting saying droplets.
1: You know, I'm very droplet sensitive at the moment. Any sort of speck of liquid coming out of anybody's any any anybody's mouth, their nose. Um I immediately do a take. So I Well, Austin did it on Monday, so he must have felt it was okay. Austin did it, yes, yes. Well, anyway, Andrew from Cape Breton says 9 out of 10 show. This show was excellent. And the whole concept of wins and losses mattering really helps AEW. WWE's lack of care to who wins and who loses makes things awkward. With a crowd, at least you have the people wanting wrestler A to win and wrestler B to lose, or enjoying the destruction in a jobber match, or feeling bad for someone. When you strip that away, the only thing that remains is the competition and the idea of wanting to win. When winning or losing is meaningless, the matches are meaningless. AEW, in the end, were smart to attach itself to that concept. I also enjoyed the heel and babyface locker rooms coming out to cheer their respective friends. I'm not sure how that will work with large gatherings, but tonight, it really helped the show. Special shout out goes to MJF and Sean Spears gambling on the matches and stealing the BDE's wine Wednesday gimmick. Um, Do you feel like, so, so, like to Andrew, clearly, like the, 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 the records and the wins and losses concept works. For me, I can't say it makes that big of a difference. Like, it might only make a difference when it comes time for them to like build to a total match. But like, let's say in the women's division, like, to me, it's almost. Like meaningless. I don't keep up with these records. Um, I certainly don't feel like a sense of, wow, this person needs to win because it's going to go on their record.
0: Yeah, I I don't think it's been executed to the the vision that they had for it. And that's not to say it can't work. I do believe it could, but I I don't think it's been... um, It's become a big theme of the show or something that a lot of stock is put into. But I will say that maybe the records you you don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to but you do have a bit of a pattern like you can see that someone someone's not going to lose and get a title match out of it it's like there will be a progression of you know up and down and you can sense when certain people are getting momentum and hopefully that can correlate to records as well but to to me it's like they have a framework but they haven't really Narrowed in on where that can be best executed and and reap the benefits of such a like sports like atmosphere to create for the I whole think
1: what, show. For me, one of the problems is the fact that like no no single person really has an equal record because everybody has a uh, different amount of matches. It's not like the we're, the G one where everybody has an even number of matches, so you can actually compare. Like in AEW, somebody could have you know, three matches and they might be on their way to a title shot versus somebody who's had a hundred matches and, you know, hasn't won all of them and doesn't have a hundred percent record. So, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely something that it's, um, it's kind of been trial by error. And I, I, I think it's, it's been one of the ideas AEW has implemented that to me has not been a big difference maker on the show. Jay from Colorado writes, my degree is in film theory. It was a waste of four years and thousands of dollars, but it gives me the ability every once in a while to look deep into the relationship between the audience and the screen. Wrestling has always intrigued me because it's truly more like theater in the round. It's a live stage play that can live or die based on how the crowd reacts. But unlike theater, it's entirely dependent on crowd interaction as well as reaction. I was convinced after watching how the crowd behaved at the first WWE Saudi show years ago that in order for a show to get really over, the crowd had to be absolutely hot for the action in the ring to get over it was a hot car. Co- it was a hot card and the crowd wasn't there. SmackDown and raw this week further proved that to me, as those shows were awkward and the wrestling suffered tonight's episode of dynamite completely threw my ideas out the window. They pulled off something tonight. WWE could not, and it somehow translated into a fantastic episode of dynamite. I'm intrigued in how they'll navigate the next couple of weeks. Eight out of 10.
1: Matt asked me, "Way, did you get a WCW nitro vibe from the way the show was shot? Um, I'm not sure about whether or not it, it reminded me of Nitro specifically, but um, I certainly loved the fact that they decided to put the hard camera against the set rather than you know typically you would of course the last time they shot a show at Daily's place I mean they they had it on the crowd of course uh, here you had no crowd so they put the hard camera on the other side so that the background was filled with something and it looked really nice so um, I don't know if it was necessarily a WCW vibe but although I I could I kind of feel like I. You, you kinda get a WCW vibe from Dynamite anyway because it's like very what, it's like it's Keith Mitchell. Isn't that the same guy who's done it?
0: I mean I mean the venue gave me a real late two thousand WCW feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So um yeah, I don't know if it was this episode in particular, but I I I was I like the way that they presented it.
0: David from Vaughn. I thought AEW put together a hell of a show tonight. They basically put on the type of show they would have... they would have anyways with a full audience. The contrast to the shows that WWE put on is night and day. I thought Brody Lee and Matt Hardy's debuts were excellent. I personally found Sammy Guevara singing along to Jericho's song hilarious. My only negative was the Butcher and the Blade against Jurassic Jurassic Express. I found it very sloppy. Not sure what was happening at the end, but I assume there was some miscommunication between the Butcher and Jungle Boy. I hate to be the guy, but don't know how safe this show was for the talent involved. Well pull up a seat at the table, David. <laughs> I have no idea what the point was to have so many people sit in the crowd all night especially someone like Jake Roberts or Tully Blanchard. I personally did feel some stuff on the show was a bit irresponsible and unnecessary on AEW's part, given our current situation. Regardless, I will feel I still thoroughly was impressed with what they were able to put on without a crowd eight out of 10. And I think that piece of feedback summarizes most people's thoughts. If you can separate the problems that you have with the show going on if you came into this show with those issues, they did not do anything to kind of quell your fears. But if you mm-hmm. came into this without that, that heightened concern and you just want to watch a wrestling show, then I, I think you can applaud how they pulled this off in these circumstances. And it seems like the majority felt they did a superior job than their counterparts.
1: Well, based on that glowing, um, I, I think, a review of a review, perhaps we should award David from Vaughn.
0: Oh, a I was t-shirt. just about to remind you to give out a T-shirt. <laughs> David from Vaughn. Bon. Uh, we had some really good um, feedback on this one as well. Uh, yes, we, we did. Had, we had David. We had the uh, Jay from Colorado. There were some good ones. So David from Vaughn, bon, congratulations. Um, you are the proud winner of a piece of merchandise that Way is not going to touch before he sends to you.
1: Oh, I don't send these for myself. They're They're sent from the warehouse. So I don't even have to touch it. I just have to enter your address and it's there.
0: It may be a while before he gets it. Uh is, yeah, ma- is mail backed up? Uh, I don't still, know. I'm still getting mail, so it's like we haven't lost uh, those kinds of services. I mean, just to, uh, I guess Vaughn. If we were to send it further, it might be backed up,
1: I've, but Vaughn should be fine. It actually gets sent from the U.S. The warehouse oh, that's right. US, that's right. right. <laughs> I forgot where well,
0: our, our warehouse is.
1: Let us know, David, <laughs> whenever it gets there. But nonetheless, it will hopefully get there eventually. I mean, like goods and services are, are still. yeah yeah
0: yeah and i mean a a post wrestling shirt is that would be
1: priority right yeah i believe um the prime minister said um trades and like i don't know like i like i believe um shipments can still go but people can't i'll call up
0: justin in the morning i'll i'll square this away don't will you he's a good friend yeah yeah all right thank you everybody for your feedback tonight uh including david from vaughn uh, we're going to wrap things up, but, uh, Way is back on Thursday, 3 p.m. with the cafe hangout. Uh, Matt Nix will be joining us. all right oh, sorry. I, I, I still feel like I'm part of this. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. Uh, but we'll be joining Way. Uh, Matt Nix, uh, a man who can say he has had a match on AEW Dynamite.
1: That's right. Yes. That's right.
0: Uh, so I will be listening, Way. I, I look forward to it. Um, So that's coming out on Thursday, Friday. We got the British wrestling experience. And then Friday night, Wei and I will be back with Rewind to SmackDown. So uh, you can go to postwrestling.com. All the latest news is up there. And the final word goes to Wei.
1: Namaste.